In 2021, the innovative Houston, Texas-based Apollo Chamber players released their fifth studio album through Azika Records. Taking its title from Abraham Lincoln's second inaugural address, With Malice Toward None, tackles politics, identity, and what it means to be a citizen of a nation balanced between an idealized past and a just and multicultural future. Featured on the recording is the seven-part piece written by Christopher Theophanides and Mark Wingate titled, What is the Word? Christopher Theophanides is here with us, along with Apollo Chamber players, violinist and founder, Matthew Dietrich. Hi, Christopher and Matthew. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Hey, Max. Nice to be with you. Hey, Max. Great to be here. Chris, written in 2017, What is the Word is based on the Samuel Beckett poem. In the case of the Beckett, his work had always been fairly experimental and sonically based. Prior to his aphasia, he was just fixated with repetitions and local obsessions and the way those things add up to something like meaning and feeling behind what's being said. And trying to respond to something that's already there, you have to basically ask yourself a lot of questions. What is the word? Aphasia, the loss of one's ability to understand or express speech. This piece attempts to document Beckett's struggle with aphasia. This idea guided your musical response with electronic composer Mark Wingate. One of the things that Mark and I tried to keep at the front of our mind the whole time was the starting point of this original thing. We were going to try to fixate on things and become obsessed with them musically and let them kind of spin out in their own way, trying to use some of the same logic that we felt like Beckett employed in What is the Word? and some of his other works. Folly 4-2. Obviously, we did it in our own musical language, but that was the starting point. And one of the neat things about electronics, of course, is that you can do things that are almost unimaginable in terms of the magic they create. You can suddenly stop and go to digital black and get hard cuts. <laughs> Mark and I have worked together for almost 25 years now. One person does something, the other person responds. There's back and forth and a lot of conversation. All this. That it really is truly collaborative. This. 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 It is neither myself nor him completely. It's kind of fused artistic identity. It's been great fun over the years to figure out how to work together. I would start by sending him a sketch of musical materials. He'd hear it try to respond to it electronically, send that back. I would try to respond to what he did. In some cases, he actually started the process and one of the movements, he would send me some sound samples and I would try to respond to it acoustically and so forth. So it was great fun in that way. And after a long series of these collaborations that this was able to happen. How did the piece end up on the album? We'd been interested in Chris's music for some time. We were in the midst of our 20 by 2020 commissioning project, an initiative to commission 20 new multicultural works by the end of the decade. So I reached out to Chris and I presented him with a couple of ideas for a commission. A little bit maybe apprehensive at first about adding electronic elements, particularly because the underwriters of this particular commission were a little bit more traditionalists. However, it all worked out for the best and it was a journey for us too because I feel like Electronic music in today's society is everywhere. What? It's ubiquitous. What? 
What? It's on our ringtones. It's on our movies. On our TV. For us, adding this electronic element as the fifth voice ended up being a really wild ride and a really wonderful experience. Just to add on to that point you made about it kind of being ubiquitous in the greater society and seeming like a little bit of an experimental thing in the concert society is a funny conundrum. So normal in the popular world, and it should be just equally integrated to the extent that people want it to be in the concert music world. It opens up a lot of possibilities. Chris, I wanted to get back to just something that you said before, that you're trying to get Beckett's style and his tone. What is the word? Also, his condition, the aphasia itself. That's right. One of the things that I think all of us can relate to is the idea of kind of searching for that word that you know. And where? For some reason, it's just not coming up. The idea of that frustration, that kind of... There, over there. What is the word? We found ourselves in a lot of the cases in the musical flow having that feeling of frustration released to try to let out some energy. What, what is the word? Well, let's take the piece apart in its seven parts. Of course, it begins with the reading of the original poem read by actress Maura Hooper. What's the word? When we contacted the Beckett estate, we got permission to do a straight reading of the piece. I reached out to Maura. You know, I said, we don't know exactly how this will sound, but could you do like six or seven versions of a reading of this poem and record them and send them to us? See. She started from a lot of different starting points. Glimpse. Trying to just remember things. And so there was a really halting quality to one of them that was a little bit more funny and quirky. Where, what is the word? There was another one that had a lot of tension built into it. What, what is the word? And kind of anger. What is the word? There was another one that seemed a little bit sad in some ways. A far away, over there. Between all of those together, Mark and I compiled one that we thought had the most expressive potential to be able to be the building block for the piece. And that's what that first track is. We're big fans of Samuel Beckett. I had not heard of this particular poem, and I think it really is fascinating how they deconstructed it from the original. The experience of playing this, I mean, we do have a click track on, but there's still elements of serendipity. These electronic effects, we can play off of them as well with our instruments. When we did the live premiere in front of an audience, that was a different experience. It was still special, but it was a little bit different than how the studio version ended up where things could be picked apart. In live performance, each of the players has a click in their ear, which has got to be annoying, but it certainly helps for precision, you know, and it makes it sound like this kind of magic is happening in terms of the absolute virtuosic timing between the electronic playback or the digital playback and the live. Going back to the 70s when Glenn Gould was recording all these pieces really in the studio directly, not even doing them as concert performances, it can take on a completely different feel when you do a recording of this. Mark ended up tweaking things quite significantly. And he was super happy with the kind of vividness of that. And it could be a work in progress in a sense because those things could go on and you know, you realize it. what happens if we, after this quartet attack, we put another slap back here in the digital realm that actually sounds like the quartet, but morphs. What, what is the word? I think that's what's really so special about this particular piece is that there's certain moments where you ask yourself, is this the violin playing or is this the cello playing or is this some manipulation of that? And I think there's beauty in not knowing. 
The first section is the original reading. The piece then unfolds in six additional sections. The music seems to really emphasize the agony of Beckett struggling to find the word. Yeah, that's a good description. One of the things we were conscious of was the flow of these six movement sections that come after the original recitation. Our overall trajectory, we thought over the time we would go from something more literal, which sounded like a bunch of words. What is a word? To something which was highly abstract. So the last movement, euphoric, is the most kind of blissed out version. I mean, you hear like a little bit of give and then something like some words like that that are just turned into pure sound. That arc was important to us to keep, but we also were mindful of the fact that it gets tiring to hear a lot of barrage of abstracted words as they go. So there were little sorbet movements like that second movement edgy. Entirely quartet with a little bit of processing added in over the top. That extroverted movement, it definitely has a lot of virtuosic interaction between the wordplay and the quartet. Very jagged, but now we've got a more defined pulse going on where the electronics are clearly present in the texture. You're sort of evolving into this. What is it? Is it alive or is it Memorex? The original sound source or the electronic version that's mimicking the sound source that's actually happening is not real-time processing of material or music. We like to give that effect. So if some event that happens in one of the instrumental parts, we can create that same thing happening in the digital realm too. So it sounds like there's a lot of back and forth this, and then do things with it. This, this, this here, all this, this here, Folly given all this, seeing, Folly seeing all this, this here for two. Mercurial, to me, represents the middle. Yes. One of the things that Mark is able to do is go in and extract a syllabant, a consonant, uh, anything. And so he took the word from seeing. You hear that, that, that kind of sound is threaded throughout that movement and really defines that movement. String quartet texture is still there, but a little bit more subordinate to this hyper-manipulation of the electronics. It kind of traces a lot of what the quartet's doing and really gives it a particularly strange sound world. Then you move to Noble. You've got that defined melody, and now with the electronic elements continuing to evolve so that the texture is still kind of sideways, but Noble. This is probably the most direct homage to the Irish theme of the concert of this particular commission. And although my last name is Theophanides, my mom is German-Irish, and so, you know, we're missing the O Theophanides, but the melody in this movement and the noble melodies. I've actually been to Ireland and really had an amazing experiences there, particularly on various parts of the coastline. And that kind of sense of looking out into the great expanse of the sea 
that's the way this movement unfolded in a way we started like there's the melodic stuff that comes in with the quartet and then this wash of sound that fills in very large expanses of time and gives you a sense of openness that movement was particularly nice to be able to kind of work on the underwriter of this particular commission donald and ronda sweeney Donald is Irish and very proud of it, and we wanted to do something to honor the underwriter's heritage. Chris, as the composer, he did a brilliant job of integrating that in a very natural way. come to very fast. <laughs> it's a rich string section and it brings the voice back in a obvious way. All this. These this. tiny little vocal snips, I think it has more stability than the prior three movements. Yes, that's fair. One of the things we delighted in some of the recording of the reading of Beckett was that we found certain times when she read it that she actually kind of chuckled, kind of laughing interstitially in between some of the lines and phrases. What is and so that also threads that movement as well as some kind of more direct versions of the text and the kind of running string line. We finish with euphoric. This really brands itself as an electronic movement, but the feeling I got was that this glistens. That's really neat. Yeah, I like that description a lot. This was one where Mark sent a couple of splashy hits and single tones that die away and interact with the electronics in that way. It could really be quite complimentary. In the mix of the CD, too, I think they got a particularly nice blend. One of my favorite things that Mark did was at the very end of this movement, very grainy sounding, and it sounds like sand falling. I think it had some sense that we needed something kind of arid to bring us back to Earth. And then I started thinking, well, if I have the quartet start to shimmer a little bit on the surface with harmonics, the whole thing just disappears in that gesture. It's dry and it brings you back to earth in a way. When we heard the final version of the recording, I was so taken aback by the ending. I'd never heard that before. I didn't know Mark was going to do that, and it was just very special, and I think it's a very special way to end this piece. Yeah, thanks. The sense of working with somebody else is that you get a couple of falls from left field, and you, you're like, wow, okay, that's pretty cool. Christopher Theophanides, Matthew Dietrich, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks, Max. Thanks.